Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Hey all, welcome to the Defiant Spirit Podcast. I am Baruch Halevi, also known as B, and I am the creator of the Defiant Spirit, Defy Your Number Enneagram System. Thanks for tuning in as always. I want to mix it up today, have a little fun, um, at least Enneagram fun. I don't know if it's fun to you, it's fun to me. I like to take the Enneagram deep. It is ancient, it's sophisticated, It's you can see it all throughout mathematics, through geometry, through spiritual traditions, psychology, blah, blah, blah. But you can also just use it to navigate your way at your holiday cocktail parties. No, not cocktail parties. Well, probably are cocktail parties. Your holiday parties um, that they where they happen to serve cocktails. Anyways, I want you to learn about the Enneagram because I'm just so passionate about it. I think it's an amazing way to, to navigate life. And I want you to have fun while you're learning. And so that's really why I do these um, these fun one-off podcast. The last one I did was Ted Lasso with my good friend, Michael Feiner. And so you can listen to Ted Lasso and the Enneagram. You can do this, um, the holiday party and the Enneagram, and then we can jump back into the deeper, more sophisticated um, approach to the Enneagram. So it's all of that and more. All right. So what does it mean, the Enneagram and the holidays? Well, I want to share with you the slide I threw together where you can start to see for yourself some of the vibe of the nine types. So if you don't know the nine types, you can listen to my introductory series. I've been doing um, the fundamentals of each Enneagram type, all nine types. And so you can go through that and you can listen to it through the lens of wealth or see it through the lens of wealth um, with my friend Michael Feiner, where we do Wealth 360. And today I'm just going to go around the Enneagram and share with you insights about each one. I guess one of the reasons why I'm doing it is because I've had three conversations today alone with clients, um, all business clients who are going to holiday parties. And um, they each asked me kind of what my thoughts were from an Enneagram perspective. So I thought, hey, these are you know really interesting conversations we're having. Let's have them with everybody on the podcast. All right, so let's start with Enneagram 1. Enneagram 1, I call the reformer. The reformer is principle-driven um, on a good day, uh, values, integrity, precision, details. And when they're, I call that responsive, when, when they're reactive, when they're not having a good day, when they're stressed, when they're unconscious, when they're overwhelmed, it becomes more of a um, perfectionist. It becomes much more uptight and rigid and rule-bound. And, you know, they forget that it's these details and the rules and everything else are not um, an end. They're a means to an end. And they start making it into the end to itself. So a couple different thoughts about Enneagram ones and holiday parties. Ones walk into a holiday party and they 
if they're reactive, the low side, again, every side has two, the lower and the higher side. And our work is to ascend that ladder of consciousness to defy our number and stop reacting and start responding on the high side. So a one may walk into that holiday party and see that, you know what, that uh, star on the top of the tree is crooked and the glass that they're drinking out of has spots. And like in the picture, you know, everybody needs to be on time and okay, now it's time to make the toast and whatever it might be. And there's a rigidity that can happen and you can feel when a one is reactive because they even body, physically, bodily, they get stiffer. They're just kind of a little bit stiff. Now, ones can also do the work, work with me, take the Enneagram test, we'll defy your number and see that line between one and seven. Ones can be the most fun because sevens are the most fun by nature. We'll get there, also problematic. Um, so ones can loosen up at the holiday party. They can go over to seven and they can truly stop seeing everything that's imperfect. They can get over all of the details and all of the responsibilities that, you know, they feel constantly weighing on them. They just put it down and they have a good time. So our work with a one, if, if you are encountering a one at a cocktail party, at a holiday party, I keep saying that, is to help them get into their seven. Don't push them there. Um, but you also don't have to accept the, you know, the shoulds and the, kind of the sanctimony, like this is not that time, this is not that place, let's loosen up, let's have some fun, here's a drink, right? We'll get to work on Monday, but today at the holiday party, it's time to just kind of let go. It's good enough, good enough is a monster 401. Have some fun. Enneagram two, the helper. In reaction, helpers can be needy, they can be uh, boundary crossing, get into your business. They can overstep trying to help, think they're they're giving when in fact they're really kind of a taking, but they think they're giving and um, they, they're just trying to ingratiate themselves and need to be needed. They can't stop doing, they just want to keep helping, but it's really a fear of the quiet, a fear of, um, of not being needed. And so that's reactive. But now when they're responsive, when they do the work, and I have so many twos I work with, they let that crap go. They don't need to be needed, not nearly as much. They they don't need to cross those boundaries. I was just talking to a, a, a beautiful two who has really done a lot of work, doing a lot of work in the Enneagram. And she said, um, she's asking people now, before she helps them, right? Do you want help? It's sort of like that um, Cub Scout back in the, that image I have back in the day of a Cub Scout helping the little old lady across the street to do a good deed. And she's like hitting him with the cane right? Like ask the little old man before you help him cross the street. Ask as a two, the person you're about to make the recipient of your um, great, gracious, uh, unbounding love. And ask them though, maybe, do you, you know, is this helpful to you? Is this what you want? What she said is most of the time people say yes, because who doesn't love that from a two, but some people say no. And that's important to know and respect. So a reactive two at a party um, holiday party walks in and basically says, who needs me, right? Wh where can I go to help? Um, probably never showing up empty-handed. Even if the host or hostess says, don't bring anything, a too reactive is not going to hear that because if I don't bring anything, then I'm not needed. I'm not seen. And so really just honoring that. Maybe you don't bring presents or wine or a fruitcake 
I, I think twos are really notorious for giving fruitcakes. Um, so maybe you don't do that. Maybe you honor that. And that's a way of restraining yourself, pulling back a little less me in the equation. At a cocktail party, whatever, I'm going to I'm just give up. It's, it's a cocktail party. Um, at the cocktail party, the holiday party, twos cannot help. That's a good way for a two to become more responsive. For other types, it sounds like, oh, that's selfish. Not for a two. Two needs to, if it's not your party, to just enjoy, just be a guest. You don't have to be the host or the hostess. You can sit in a chair and just simply not do. You can be, you can receive and know that you were invited to the party probably because of who you are, not because of what you can contribute. Now, if you want to help, if you want to do the dishes afterwards, that's fine. But make sure you ask and make sure it's coming from a place of authenticity, because I really do want to give this gift, not because I want to be seen doing it or I want to be needed. Um, and when you're around a two in a, at a Christmas party, you, um, and you find that they're kind of overstepping into your space, into your business, over helping, right? Just being very gentle because twos um, are sensitive and we don't want to hurt their feelings. It's coming from a good place. They have big, beautiful hearts. So really just acknowledging how much you appreciate um, them and, and all that they offer you. And that's a gift, you know, gift giving, gift giving to ones. It's good enough. You're good enough. You don't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be perfect. Gift giving to twos. Um, just thank you for all that you do. It doesn't go unseen. And that's a, that's a present enough. Your presence also is enough. Threes. All right. <laughs> I have like hot Santa or something like that. Um, threes are achievers. They're image conscious, which is why I have this. They look successful. They usually are successful. If not, they present themselves as successful. They, you know, different subtypes, more or less. Uh, my friend Mick is going to, you know, give me a hard time for beating up on the threes, but I'll get to the good stuff in a second. Threes, um, you know, they really are noticeable because they're basically saying, look at me, <laughs> right? If they're reactive, if they're not conscious, they would go into the Christmas party and they would ultimately, you know, know which, which, at what time is the optimal time to come in to get the most eyes on them. They would make a splash, right? They would be seen. They're going to show up in a, in a, something that commands attention, they're going to orient themselves towards achieving whatever that means at a Christmas party. I don't know how you achieve or succeed, but, you know, if they're reactive, if they're unhealthy, if they're not doing the work, they'll find a way. They'll turn it into a competition, the most competitive type. They'll turn it into a way to jockey for position. If it's a office party to, you know, schmooze up to the boss or make a sale. And so these are, you know, the shadowy side of threes that they don't like, we don't like, nobody likes, but they have tremendous capability to defy that, to let go of that drive, maybe come in the back door, not the front door, so to speak, or literally, maybe come in a little early so that they, you know, all eyes aren't on them when they're there to really get past themselves. Threes, um, sevens and eights can do 
uh, a lot of can can grow a lot when they put their attention onto the other person asking questions. How are you? Tell me what's going on in your life, as opposed to kind of redirecting every question to themselves. Stay away from success. Stay away from achievement. Nobody needs to know your bank account at the Christmas party, how much is in there, how much you made this year in stocks. Be very careful, threes, even when um, they're trying to be humble. Sometimes it comes across as a false or feigned kind of a humility and just really getting genuine, authentic, truth-telling for threes. Not that they're liars, they're not but exaggeration and hyperbole and just sort of a big energy, bring it down a few notches, make room, make room for others. And, you know, maybe if you're going to wear a Santa outfit, even if you do have that six pack, um, put a shirt on underneath. So, um, and no, all threes are not, you know, reactive. No type is all reactive. When threes are responsive, they make you feel seen. They redirect that energy to you. They're going to lift you up. They're going to motivate you. You're going to walk away from the conversation feeling heard, um, inspired. They have a really amazing capability of putting together a great party. So they, they throw great parties. If, if three's in charge, you know um, everything's going to come off without a hitch. And um, threes really just get the job done. But they also just need to kick back, relax, have a good time like the twos, let go and um, have have your presence be enough for presence, right? Just you being there is enough. You are enough. This is a mantra. Twos and threes and fours really need to reiterate to themselves. I am enough and you being present is enough. Okay, moving on to Enneagram four. I got a brooding four in front of a Christmas tree. Fours are called the individualist, the romantic. They're the deepest type. They, they go deep. They're known to go deep. They, they like going deep. They like showing you they go deep. They don't really do surface. Um, so if you ask them how they're doing, be prepared to hear the answer. Again, different subtypes are going to, you know, redirect that in different ways. But by and large, fours just can't get enough of emotion and connection and... Um, sort of a drive for a four is constantly to feel unique or special. And this is reactive. Responsive fours are empaths. They're intuitives. They they see you. They get you. They don't have to work. You know, threes have to work at it. Um, fours just have a natural ability to connect with other human beings. They have so much to share, to express. The conversations I have with fours are deep and meaningful and purposeful. They just don't do shallow. Okay, so at the holiday party, um, fours may resist going because, you know, like holiday parties are not special. They're not special. You're sort of a dime a dozen at a party and they may resist that at first. Um, they they may kind of wait, have been waiting for a special invitation, not just some generic invitation to really know that you want them there. So, you know, fours, just knowing that this is a time for everybody and that um, you're special because of who you are, not because of the invitation you did or didn't get. Going to the party and really just remembering it can be easy. Light and shallow doesn't mean it's um, wrong or bad. There's a time for light and a time for shallow. It doesn't always have to go 
deep or be authentic or be real. Like there is a time for silliness. There's a time for shallowness, if you will, or lightness. And um, you can bring people into the deeper conversations. It just has to be sort of the right context, the right amount, the right degree. And don't bring the sevens down because they're there for a good time. Um, find an eight, find a six. We're the emotionally real type. We'd love to have a conversation about what's deep and real. Okay, moving on to the fives. Fives, the investigator, sometimes the thinker. They are the true head type. Five, six, and seven are all head types. But fives go inwards. They go into thinking. So um, I know a five who brings a book everywhere, like to parties. Um, he won't be long at a party. He doesn't like parties. Some fives, like sexual fives, that's a subtype, are definitely more oriented towards a holiday party. Your average five may not show up. If somebody's not going to show, it's probably a four or a five. Now, if we're inviting a five to a party or a four, you we might want to make an extra effort to really let them know that they're wanted. If they're not there, to let them know afterwards that they were missed. Um, to make room for people at these parties. You know, if you see a five sitting there by themselves, they're probably not lonely. They're probably recouping, regenerating. They, they get depleted in crowds or in emotional conversation or an empty sort of, you know, cocktailish conversation. And so it's depleting to them. So, you know, you don't, especially you twos, you don't have to save them. Fives don't want to be saved. Um, fives also don't want surprises. So if you, there's a surprise element to it, if you're going to be making speeches or if you expect them to make speeches or, you know, gift giving, all that stuff, fives need heads up. They don't do surprises. So make sure they know what they're in for. Make sure you give them permission to be wherever they want. If they want to read their book over on the side, you know, maybe it's a little weird to us non-fives, but to them it's um, it's sort of a lifeline and a way to fill up. So fives, make an effort um, to kind of shift from here to here, and especially like an office party. People aren't just working in an organization or business um, to make money or to get things done, right? It's also about human interaction and people want to get to know you. And sometimes it can be very hard at work. So make this, make an extra effort in this setting to get into the heart, to share a little bit. Fives are known to sort of withhold private personal details. I'm not saying you're going to spill your guts. You're not going to, but you can make an effort to share a little more and do it from a, an emotive place and ask people about their feelings, even if it's not necessarily your go-to. Okay. And, and by the way, fives, um, the pres the gift you can give people is that it's, it's truly a gift when a five opens their heart and shares with you. And if you're the recipient of that and you're not a five, just know how much courage and effort it takes for a five to go to that place and thank them for it. Sixes. All right. I have uh, Santa in uh, face mask. Sixes are the loyalists, but they're also the skeptic. They're the most complex, I think, of all the types. So sixes are the um, ones that are really grounded in fear and anxiety and doubt. So going to a holiday party, COVID, post-COVID, I don't know, are we post-COVID? Um, it's hard for a six. If they're wearing masks out there, I see people still wearing masks, you know, in 
when they're walking by themselves. Originally, I probably was a little more judgmental, but now I just assume they're sixes. And it's a scary world and it's hard for them. You know, we've been traumatized in some ways by COVID. So it's hard for them to re-enter. If they're at the cocktail party, and they may very well wear a mask. Make, make that okay, right? Maybe if it's not your way, that's fine. But for six to be there in this day and age, you know, we didn't have holiday parties last year, certainly not the year before. So um, just make room for them to feel safe and secure. This is something that sixes need. Now, when they're reactive, it can be too much. So sixes, right, really challenge yourself if you're not going because of germs and because of um, whatever other fears come up, really challenge that. I'm not going to let you off the hook by saying, hey, that's your fear. That's go with it. That's okay. But you're also here to defy your reactive nature. And there's always been germs. There will always be germs. Don't let that stand in the way of you connecting with your coworkers, with your family, with your friends. They want you. They need you to be a part of their life, even if it's wearing a mask or on the other side of a glass wall or in the plastic bubble in the middle of the room. I don't know. I'm just kidding with you sixes. I'm an eight. Um, so it just doesn't resonate. But I do respect you. And I want you to be a part of my life. They want you to be a part of their life. So... Um, so and also if you're the recipient of a, a six guest, really acknowledge just how um, maybe how challenging it would be for them to be there. I don't want to make it sound like it's only about fear. It's not. Sixes are incredibly loyal. They're they're gonna be there if they can, or they're gonna be there at other times through thick and thin. Um, sixes may worry about you know what present to bring or. What is expected of them? How can they help? It's sort of a two-ish vibe. You can give them permission to just be present. That's enough. Your presence is the present. Um, and we really appreciate you showing up, participating. Okay, sevens. Sevens are built for holiday parties. Now, sevens, well, the enthusiasts, let's talk about it. Sevens in reaction are a little too comfortable at the parties. They're probably the one who... Xeroxed their ass on the, on the business copier. I forgot what movie that was, but that's definitely a seven thing. You know, they're probably the ones you got to keep an eye on. It's an open bar. Um, you know, it shouldn't be that open. Sevens, you have a tendency to take it a step too far. Now, there's other subtypes of sevens that are more responsible, but by and large, sevens really enjoy life to the fullest. They are booming personalities, especially when they get turned on in social settings, they get amped up and they can go. On the responsive side, when they're responsible, responsible, able to respond, they are connectors. They're, I mean, they're the life of the party for good reasons. They, they're joke tellers. They keep it fun and lively. Probably the DJ, probably um, the person kind of connecting people in the in the room threes and sevens are the real connectors um they just you want you want some sevens at your party if you want it to be a fun party so sevens um they're not only light and silly they can go deep um so sevens almost you have to do the opposite of fours whereas fours need to work to get to the surface sevens you might want to shift this holiday and go deeper not wider pick a few people and make deeper connections as opposed to um, working everybody in the room. 
understanding that the holiday party is probably not the best place to totally let loose. So let loose, you're going to, but within reason, cut yourself off. Um, we don't want you waking up the next morning feeling any regrets or shame. Okay, eights. Eights are the uh, challenger. I'm an eight. Eights are, they're not party goers. They can do it. Um, I can flip a switch. I can become more extroverted. It's not the easiest thing in the world for me to do, but you know, I certainly can and will do it and, and can enjoy doing it. Six or eights, um, the challenger reactive. We don't like to be controlled. We walk into the party, whereas the seven says, where's the bar? Eights say, you know, like who's in charge? Who's in charge of this shitty music? We're going to, you know, put on some real music like the eighties, get out of this, you know, crappy 2022 music. Um, Sorry, just venting. So eights will take over. They can be a little pushy, a little rude, a little aggressive, again, reactive. On the responsive side, when they when they get out of it, they can just lighten up. They can be fun. They have a lot of childlike naivete, sweetness, fun, prankster stuff going on in us. If we feel safe, secure, um, we can be more vulnerable. So help an eight. Um, by not trying to control them. Don't push them into the conversation. Don't push them into the charades. Don't push them into the secret Santa or whatever you're going to be doing. Think of eights and fives because they have that line similar in that way. They need to be at a distance and enter the circle on their terms, their time frame. I can't stand when people sort of corral me and push me and force me into something. I just shut down. So but when eights um, turn it on and they're looser and they're livelier and they're comfortable, they really can be great energy. Still probably intense. We can't help it. But we'll redirect that intensity to having fun, to making connections. And um, and, and so also, um, really don't be afraid of eights. Invite them in. Don't push them in. Um because I think eights can feel that the world tends to be a little bit standoffish. Understandably, we, we send those vibes, but don't stand off, engage the eight. And eights, make yourself engageable, right? Be a little bit uh, softer. All right, nines, last but not least, I have, a, <laughs> I have somebody hiding inside a Christmas tree. Um, nines are the peacemaker, they're peaceful, they're, they're harmonious. Now, when, when you know, voices, um, of the sevens and the eights, maybe sevens are a little bit uh, tipsy and the eights are a little controlling. Nines are going to disappear and hide in the Christmas tree. If there's any tension or conflict at a holiday party, at an office party, at a, at a family get together, nines, if they're in reaction, they're known to just kind of disappear. Call it the Shaolin exit. Poof, they're gone. Or they're just standing there, but they're like not there. They disappear into the backdrop of the Christmas tree. Nines, um, that's reaction. But nines can also step into the limelight, into the spotlight, use their voice, make their presence felt, um, engage, be engaging. They can be social. I just hung up with a nine who just went to a holiday party and she said once she was comfortable, she was able to schmooze. That's because that nine and three line, you see it there. Um, nines can step onto the stage and be performers. My sister, if you know my sister, Rebecca, she's a nine, but, and she's a typical nine in that way. She's not going to be the life of the party, booming voice or presence, 
But she steps onto the stage and the world listens to her. She's a well-known spiritual medium. So she can take the stage. Um, it's got to be on her terms and she's got to make a conscious effort to step out. Well, nines all do. Step out from behind the Christmas tree. And um, even when there's conflict, use your voice. By the way, when you have a nine there, it's going to bring down the noise of the eight and the seven. Make it a little more calm, a little more peaceful, a little harmonious. So nines, we need you. We want you. Your presence brings us joy and harmony like no other presence. Um, yep, so those are the, the basic types at a cocktail party. I want to just share with you, for anybody who wants to stick around for a few more minutes, the instincts. Because this one is a big one, too, in a social setting like a holiday party. So we haven't gone deep into the instincts. The slide's a little misleading, I was told, because social is not seven and eight, and sexual is not one and two, and self-pres is not four and five. It's all of them. You have a self-preservation instinct, a sexual instinct, and a social instinct. Each one of us has one of those that's dominant and one that's repressed. I'm only going to talk about the dominant instinct, which you have all of them in you, again, but you'll, you'll default to one of them. And just so you know, when that dominant instinct meets your Enneagram type, that's your subtype. So I am a sexual eight. You might be a self-preservation nine. She might be a social three. Okay. And that's going to change the nature of the instinct. A sexual eight and a sexual nine are very different. But nonetheless, we're just going to talk about the instinct and sort of the common thread. And you can see it at a holiday party. Okay, so sexual, a social, and a self-pres walk into a Christmas party. And this is what happens. Sounds like a joke. Sexuals, um, it, can it be sex? It can be sex. Like, let's just be honest. It, it is sex. We're all sexual beings. Some of us are more sexual than others. All of us are sexual. Even if you're sexual repressed, it doesn't mean you're cold and frigid. It just means you're um, not leading with it as a strategy to get your needs met. Now, it's not just sex. Sexual is energy, right? That's all sex is. So it's not sexuality nearly as much as intensity of bonding, of connecting, of one-on-one. -on -one. So sexual instinct types are great one-on-one. -on -one. You know when you're in the presence of a sexual instinct because you just feel when they're healthy, reactive, you know, all bets are off. But when they're responsive, when they're healthy, they're making a connection with you and you feel seen, you feel understood, you feel heard. So sexual instincts at a party are going to be much more comfortable one-on-one. -on -one. So if you're a sexual instinct and you're going into a party, just know that it isn't that you're not comfortable in group settings or that you're antisocial or you're introverted. I mean, those things may be true, but it's also part of your instinctual strategy to survive. So it's not personal, it's your wiring. I know this about myself. I know I do better one-on-one. -on -one. I can flip a switch. I can work the room. It exhausts me, right? For a social, we'll get there. It's not exhausting. It's replenishing. My mom really has much more access. She's self-pres, but she really has a lot of social. And so she walks away from a party and she feels rejuvenated. I walk away from a party and if I don't pay attention to my instinct, I'll deplete myself and I'll need to go recharge. Now, if I go to a holiday party, and, you know, I lightly work the room, but I have a few meaningful, in-depth conversations. 
then I do feel good. I don't even want to leave. But if I'm sort of forced to work the room, like back when I was a rabbi and I was just expected to come to all these bar mitzvah parties every freaking Saturday night and go around the room and I just, I couldn't take it anymore. So that's how self-pres and sexual can feel at a holiday party. If it's a big one, if it's not some people they know, if it's not their tribe. And so if you're sexual, know that about yourself and that's okay. If you know somebody's a sexual instinct, because you just you either know they took the test or, and this is great, by the way, I'm going to my first holiday parties with businesses that I'm working with, where it's like part of the culture now. So it's pretty cool. Everybody's using this language. Um, but sexual, if you know somebody's a sexual instinct, make a little allowance for them, you know, like invite, that's the person you invite into a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So let's jump over to social. Somebody whose social instinct is going to naturally read the room. They're going to naturally sort of be able to float like a butterfly from conversation to conversation. It's a gift. It doesn't even mean they're extroverted. They may not even really like it. They're just good at it. It doesn't deplete them. They know how to do it. And they're sort of built for cocktail parties or Christmas parties. Um, it really is replenishing. It doesn't mean that they want to do it all day, every day. But it does mean it's a natural instinct. Because again, this stuff is wiring. I mean, think of it as not a cocktail party, a Christmas party. It's the herd. It could be on the savannah 10,000 years ago, right? It's the herd um, group survival tactic and knowing who has power and who doesn't. And now the work of a social in a setting like this is socials are known to be a little shallow if they're not conscious at parties. They're the types who will be looking over your shoulder for the better opportunity, right? Who has more power in this situation? You know, oh, there's the boss. I'll see you later. As opposed to um, sticking with and really drawing on that sexual energy of, you know what? The boss is there, but this is not a power play. This is not the time for that. This is a time for connection. And I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to defy my social butterfly thing. And I'm going to go deeper with this one person. Whereas, by the way, sexual, you might want to challenge yourself and say, you know what, now is not the time to be exclusive and monopolize the boss or monopolize the coworker or, or sit here in the corner with my wife connecting. Now's the time to really defy my instinct and be a little more butterfly-ish. Um, so social, right, challenge yourself not to look at the rest of the room, but to see in the eyes of the person across from you. Social are known to not sort of respect the person that's across from them always in that communication because they're distracted. I just had this conversation with somebody who's social instinct and she didn't, she knows she does this, but she didn't know why. And it isn't because she's shallow. She's not. It's just, it's her survival tactic. It's very hard for her to pay attention to one person when you have 50 other people buzzing around. So what we talked about was, well, acknowledge that, right? Say to the person, you know, I'm a social instinct because they use this language and I want to connect with you so deeply, but I'm just distracted and it's not you. It's my, you know, wiring. So let's make a coffee date. And, you know, that will really, I think, make the other person understand that this isn't personal. You're not looking over my shoulder because I'm less interesting than that person nearly as much as your wiring isn't conducive for going deep in this atmosphere. So set a different time for that. Um, but you can defy that social nature and really work on your one-on-one -on -one connection. And when you're talking to somebody, talk 
to them, see them, look them in the eyes, right? Maintain the, the, the connection. And when it's, you're feeling distracted or pulled away, then just acknowledge that, close up the conversation and move on. Don't just disappear, leaving them hanging. Nothing worse than a self-pres or a sexual being abandoned by a social in a setting like that and not even acknowledged, right? You've had that happen to you before and it just feels like you're nothing. You're, you're not even worth a closure. That's not usually why socials are doing it. It's just that they shiny object. They just got distracted. Somebody needs them or whatever. Okay, last but not least, self-preservation. Self-pres, it's gonna be the hardest type to get to a party. They're more introverted than extroverted. It doesn't mean they're antisocial. It, it can mean that if they're not doing the work or depending on the core type. So a self-preservation five is gonna have a very hard time getting to a, a holiday party. A self-preservation three won't have a hard time getting there. It just wouldn't, wouldn't be their number one choice, but, um, but they can do it and do it well. So self-preservation, some things to be on the lookout for if you are self-pres. Um, you know, giving up some control. Self-pres, there's a lot of control. Control around, you know, the environment and just wanting to make sure like I'm comfortable. Just putting yourself into an uncomfortable situation or acknowledging when the discomfort, acknowledging the discomfort when it comes up. You know, you don't control the thermostat. It's not your place. So you keep your hands off the, the guest thermostat and you just shed a layer, layer or you bring an extra sweater because you know you're probably going to be cold. Um... Self-pres, you know, you're like, yeah, you, your bedtime's coming up here, but you know, like this is a one time a year thing and I'm just going to push past my boundaries. And yeah, I know I'm going to be tired tomorrow morning. I'm going to pay a price for it and then I'm not going to get my workout and blah, blah, blah. Let it go. Be present. Self-preservation really needs to be present to what is and let go of what could be, what should be. Um, let go of some of that control. To pay attention to yourself when you feel like you're, um, like there's a threat right? Because oftentimes it's not really a threat. It's just old wiring that's there. It's there to serve you when you're out in the alley by yourself. You know, you really want that self-pres piece, but sometimes it's hard to get turned, to turn it off, or we don't realize that something triggers us. Somebody says something and we're kind of in a self-protection mode and we feel a little closed down. So really just pay attention to what's going on right now. And do I need to be in self-preservation mode or you know, I'm safe. I'm secure. This is great. These people care about me, right? The threats are not here. So I'm going to allow myself a little more breathing room. Um, if you know somebody's self-preservation, you know, that's who you check in about. Like you look a little cold. Can I turn up the heater for you? Or, or I have a, um, an extra sweater. Would you like it? My two friend gave me this ugliest sweater ever. <laughs> Sorry, tease. Um, and so, you know, acknowledging self-pres and that their need for just security, you know, like there's a winter warning comes out here in Colorado at this time of year. And there was a party a while back that I was supposed to go to. The self-pres came out of the woodwork and said, you know, like, uh, and some thoughtful social types recognized that and called off the party. Not because it was such a threat to drive. I was happy driving. I'm a sexual aide, like bring it on. But because it's not fair because the people who aren't secure aren't going to experience it as a holiday, as a joyous event. And so out of thoughtfulness to a self-pres, we just started, uh, we, we try and anticipate their needs, even if they're not our own. And self-pres really working hard to defy your nature, to trust, to open up, to have a good time. It's, it's a party. Um, a couple other, maybe just 
basic insights of um, the instincts. Social, you don't have to work so hard. You can have fun. You can not have to tend to everybody and take care of everybody. It's the two thing. It's the nine thing. It's the social thing. Sixth thing, you don't have to serve. You can also be served. You can not only give, but you can receive. Sometimes for social types and those other types I talked about, receiving is the greatest gift you can give to the people around you this holiday. Sexual types, um, HR might want to keep an eye on the sexual types of the holiday parties. Um, not that they're going to do anything sexually inappropriate, but I have no data for this. But I do imagine the Me Too movement is probably disproportionately represented by unhealthy sexual instinct types, particularly males. So, you know, just know your boundaries, know your limits. You know, when sexual drink too much at a holiday party, they're the ones who are probably boundary crossers, sexuals by nature. Boundary crossing is a great thing. You know, it's, it's how we have all of the breakthroughs and in innovation and technology. It's also why we have the Me Too movement and, you know, HR policies the way they are. So sexual types um, really bring down the intensity, bring down, and it's not just sex. It can be anger. It can be, you know, you feel yourself heating up and you're pissed off about something because one of your colleagues is here and they screwed you this year and you want to go out. Now is not the time. Right. Be more of the social and really read the room and see the situation. Bring down the noise and self-pres. I think I already hit on you quite a bit. Um, so we'll leave it at that. OK, that's my Enneagram for the holiday parties. Obviously, 30,000 foot view, obviously a lot of caricatures, a lot of generalizations. Um, but I think it's important to be able to have caricatures and generalizations and fun conversations so that we start to get a flavor and a feel. Nobody is any one number. So you have all of those numbers like we talked about before in you. You have the way you act, the way you think, the way you feel. You have lines, you have wings, you have all of these numbers stacked in you. So pay attention to all of these and take from it, cherry pick from it what speaks to you most. And with the instincts, you have all the instincts in you and ditto goes there as well. Remember, you are not here because you are a number. To be a number, confined to your number, imprisoned in your number, you are not a number. You are the defiant power of the human spirit. As my teacher, Viktor Frankl, says, it is that spirit that you can always draw upon. You can unleash. You can choose your response from that place of the deeper, authentic you. So make sure this holiday season that that's who's showing up. Offer that as the gift to your colleagues and your friends and your loved ones, the defiant power of your spirit. Give them the gift of that, of you, this holiday. And there is nothing more that they could possibly ever want in this lifetime because you are enough. I will talk to you or see you in the next podcast. If you're listening and you didn't see the slides, I'd be happy to send them your way. Just shoot me an email at uh, be at defiantspirit.org, be at defiantspirit.org. And I will be happy to send you the slides. Until then, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, and defy your number. Live that beautiful spirit. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. The Defiant Spirit is an offering of Soul Center to Center for Spirituality, Meaning, and Healing. And if you'd like to learn more about the Defiant Spirit or Soul Center, get more inspirational content, access to a variety of online programs, or see how we might work together to discover deeper meaning in your life, greater purpose for your life, or 
live the defiant spirit power within your life, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, keep living your defiant spirit.